This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. I-, I led with the chin on that one and got what I deserved. Scott Owen. There's a mute button, people, don't worry. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. And welcome to the Brisbane Football. This is Scott and Adam with you this week. James is unavailable. I believe he is either in Boston celebrating a Patriots win, in London celebrating a great result for Arsenal at home to Tottenham in the Premier League, or he's in Paris trying to sort out the problems with the Wallabies. Adam, how are you and which is it? Where is he? Um, look, I'm not sure exactly where. Uh, I don't know if he'd be in Paris because he might be just escorting the uh, the Wallabies home because they're, they're gone from the World Cup. So, but we'll get into poll to have a look into that. But uh, yeah, it's just you and I to review uh, all things Australia Cup and a few other events over the weekend. Yeah, he might as well be coaching the Wallabies at this point because they're not going terribly well. But great result for, for former Royal Manager Ange Postacoglu at, at um, North London Derby over the weekend. But this is the Brisbane Football Review. We'll stop focusing on matters more locally here in South East Queensland. You can always get in contact with us on our social media platforms. Just search Brisbane Football Review on Facebook, Instagram, and the app formerly known as Twitter. And you will find us on all of those. Or send us an email at brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com to get in touch with us. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting outlets. Adam, and we might, we'll start with what is a momentous occasion here in South East Queensland. It was a great weekend for Brisbane football. A couple of winter codes got to grand finals. We'll focus on the last game of the weekend on Sunday, which was the Brisbane Raw, through to a first ever Australia Cup final. 1-0 winners over the Melbourne Knights down there in Melbourne, a goal from Tommy Waddingham in the first half. And as I said, it was a great week for Queensland or Brisbane football broadly, but for the Raw, a first final in the men's men's side for a decade. Yeah, this is uh, a very, very uh, big moment. I think that uh, Australia Cup is is to get to the final. That is the second uh, biggest, I guess, match coming up after the A-League Grand Final, and uh, and it is it is a big occasion. I think, and to get there is a big achievement. It's a, a shot at silverware, and we know that uh, the the trophy cabinet at at uh, Raw HQ the mark has been bare for a number of years, so it'd be nice to add one, but uh, we have to go through the old nemesis to get there. Yes, I'm sorry, what was the most recent trophy the Raw have won? This is a tempting fate, but it was either the Y League or the A-League Women's I picked up a premiership roughly around the same time. might have actually been the same year, but a couple of weeks apart. Uh, I actually believe it might be the Youth League. I think, you, yeah, you're right. I think it was, but you're right, the, uh, the women, the the A-League Women's uh, Premiership, I think that was a couple of weeks prior. So I know that was a very successful season, um, other than the men, of course. But, uh, but yeah, I think that was the last bit of silverware overall. But it is, we definitely can say this will be the first bit of men's silverware since 2014 and Mike Mulvey's uh, led uh, championship team. Yes, it could be in a couple of weeks' time, a first trophy in a decade for the men. So we'll see if they can get that done. But first, we'll talk about the game itself. So it was a 1-0 win for the Raw over Melbourne Knights down there in Melbourne. Just the one change to the starting lineup. Adam Florin Berenger came in for the suspended Henry. I think he got three yellow cards in the preceding games, which means means he, he was subjected to a one-match suspension, which is why he wasn't there. But Florin Berenger came into what is a really settled side, and he looked really good in, in his first... He was good in the Wanderers game in his debut, but his first start also was very impressive. 
I think there's a lot to like about Florin Berenger. I think a uh, hundred, a hundred or so games at Melbourne City, and perhaps didn't get the um, the plaudits you know, he deserved there. He seemed to be utilised mostly under you know, Pat Kisnorbo and Rado Vilsic as a winger. But uh, we're starting to see at the raw that Ross Elowisi is using him more as not only just on the, on the uh, on the edges, but also in that playmaking position, even at times as a false nine. Uh, so I think that uh, it's going to be intriguing you know, how he's seen as what role he plays. But I think that you know his, his experience and his class, I think it's, it's another sort of notch as far as uh, the raw goes, and he can only get better from here. Like I said, this is only his first full full game for the club. Uh, you know, come come a league you know, league season, I think that he, I think it's going to be a vital part of any success that the raw have. Absolutely, his experience is going to be absolutely crucial, not just for this cup final in a couple of weeks' time, but also for the season more broadly, because he's one of the only players in the squad, Adam, who've been a part of winning teams on the field. Obviously, Jack Hingott and Corey Brown were here at the Raw a decade ago when they were winning grand finals, but neither of them were in the match day squad on that occasion. So he, I think, is the only player, actually, who's been involved in an actual grand final squad or a final squad. So his experience will be really crucial, but just more broadly, again, a really settled side at the moment as well, isn't it? Just the one change, you can really see the combinations between between the players who've been there for these four games building quite nicely. Absolutely, and I think those those ten players that have have featured in the last at least two to three games, uh, I think that they, they've certainly deserved it because they, they have played some very very good football. This this is by nature a different game, and I, and I have saw since a little bit of you know murmurs, you know, sort of by the fan base, sort of you know, sort of criticising sort of the performance as such that it wasn't as exciting. I think even uh, in commentary, I think um, Lockie Flanagan and Dave uh, Clarkson, I think they also sort of touched on it saying it wasn't sort of the best performance uh, by the Raw in, in comparison to their, their wins over Sydney United and Western United. I think the word, not this swashbuckling best, is one of the uh, quotes that was used. I, I think I'd like to say that, you know, perhaps this is a lot to look at as a positive. Because, yeah, we, we've seen what they can do when they have freedom on the ball. We've seen when they can bet they're attacking best. But to also know that they can get in the trenches and, you know, grind against a very, very committed uh, Melbourne Knights team. I think I think we, I don't think we kind of should just dispel them. I think their performance to keep the raw to that solitary goal and, and, and forge chances for themselves. So I think that's a congratulations definitely to Ben Khan and his team because I think they really put up a very, very good character in front of a huge crowd at Summer Street. So we'll get to that later on, absolutely. But with the raw, again, this is a side that's trying to learn how to win again. I mean, people have got to remember it has been a long time since this A League men's side have been successful in terms of winning big games in the semi finals and into. A final. So I wonder if it was a little bit of that kind of trying to get over the line was kind of what led to maybe the performance not being as as good as it has been in the past, and also maybe potentially just a tiny little bit of what happened 12 months ago away to Sydney, you know, where the Raw again took the lead in that fixture twice, got pegged back twice, and then ultimately lost. So I do wonder if they if that was slightly in the back of some players once, and also if it was. They've proven they can, they've gotten over that and, and learned from that and they've got through. So a combination of what happened 12 months ago and also being a side trying to get over the line to being successful and winning things. I think probably those two things might be maybe why the performance might not have been as as good as it was previously. And having said that, it was still pretty good performance across the board from my point of view. Knockout football is a very, very different beast of league football. And and look, I think the, the, the win against Western Sydney, that came about because they were forced 
to play a lot more expansive. They 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 hit they uh, they had to come back from an opening goal, which from which was actually I, I think it probably be very was very disappointing the way they conceded that first goal, and then and then had to sort of then then you know. Then from there they, they took the lead just for half time, got pegged back again, and then had to go again to win the game to avoid uh, extra time. Uh, I think this is a very very different performance uh, for them. They got in front and they made they made sure that you now Melbourne Knights were going to get back. They they did they did have a few um, a few moments there, a few, a few anxious moments. But I think overall, I think uh, Ingard McElfreak and the defence had a very very good game and certainly earned their clean sheet. They most certainly. So we'll talk about, now we'll talk about the um, the man at the moment, Tommy Waddingham, with three goals in three games, or three goals in four games, but three in three now for the young striker up front. Another that wasn't the greatest of goals, obviously. It was a had to be in the right place at the right time. Great run from Jerry O'Shea after picking up the ball in midfield to set it up. He probably it would have been a great goal if he'd been able to put the ball in the back of the net himself. But young Tommy Waddingham in the right place once again, three goals in three, and also a call up for the Australian under twenty side. Yeah, look, uh, it was a, good, a sh- nice shot by Joe O'Shea, uh, parried away by Chris Oldfield. Good save itself a low no save. But look, yeah, look, it may have been a, a six-yard tap-in. But the young the young player who's 18 years old, to have the have the announcement and sort of the, the, I guess, the instinct to be there to actually tap in, that's the most impressive part of it. Uh, at the end of the day, a goal is a goal. You're not you're not judged on style points, and I think that that's I think that's the one part of the um, I guess of the job that you've got to uh, give credit to Tommy Waddingham about. He was there in the right spot. He was able to foresee the play, and and he was rewarded for that. And to be the game winning goal, three and three. I, only Patrick Wood, I think, is have on a better run at the moment for Sydney F- FC. But um, for a player that you know had not not had even been close to a senior. Senior sort of you know you know cap you know two months ago, he he's a, he's their most valuable striker at the moment. Absolutely. So Thomas, so Tommy Waddingham is equal equal fourth actually on the Golden Boot standings for the Australia Cup. Lockie Brook got five for the Wanderers, so he's he's out in front. But you're right for Tommy Waddingham from a raw perspective. This is three goals in three now. We've seen they brought in Jonas Markowski. We'll talk about his debut in a moment. We've seen r- reports and rumours they might be bringing in a Bernie. Benny, that's still to be confirmed, but just speculation at this stage. But the way it's going at the moment for young Tommy Waddingham, he has to be starting in, in round one of the other. You'd say he's almost certain to start the final in two weeks, but the way he's playing at the moment, he should be the, the first choice centre forward for the Brisbane Raw. Broken record stuff now. We said on the last show, we said on the previous store shows, uh, Tommy Waddingham, he he starts. Um, interesting, although, um, that his call-up, to the uh, un- the the, uh, the under twenties, uh, which is I think a, a very very uh, great achievement for him. His his first uh, national camp called up by Trevor Morgan today. Uh, that that could make things interesting about that because uh, three games. If he, if he does um, if he does sort of you know start, which it's it's going to be interesting because that's a very very strong team that uh, that they've called up to go to Spain. Uh, that that. That basically that uh, that it's in the international break, so he'll be coming back from Spain, you know, uh, probably four or five days before the first the first game of the season. So maybe jet lag may may prevent him from starting. But uh, look, I don't think that's a reason to be upset if he if he doesn't start. But all being well, he definitely should be starting um, against Macarthur. That would be the only reason why he would not be 
in the starting lineup. He's had a huge impact on this Brisbane Raw Australia Cup campaign. I'm sure he'll have a huge impact in the A-League season as well. And good luck to him in that Australian under-20. So could potentially, could potentially force his way into an Ollie Roos set up by the time Paris rolls around next. He'll have to wait and see. So that was the one. That was the only goal of the game. Second half, Alex Parsons had a great chance to make it 2-0. Wasn't able to capitalise, but... Gavaro Nepomukano, when he came on the Curacao International for Melbourne Knights, if anything was going to happen for them, I know a lot of hype pre-matches about Jan Albano and Mitch Hall, who have had great performances for the Knights in the cup run to this point, but he looked the most likely, and it, he created a couple of half openings, but for, for the Knights, they just never created that real clear-cut opportunity to get themselves on the score sheet, did they? He's a quality player, uh, and uh, yeah, he was probably their biggest threat. And that, and that was the two existing threats. I thought Mitch Hoare and um, Gian Albano as well, I thought they had very, very good games. But I think it's clear that with these member federation teams, they are they are good enough to forge chances and create opportunities against these A-League sides. It wasn't like uh, Brisbane Raw were playing shutout football, especially in the second half, and they they started they had to sort of really chase. First half, I felt Melbourne Melbourne Knights sort of really sort of struggled to get out of their own half, which is what I think is more about the raw were pressing in midfield now, win that midfield battle. But the uh, second half, they seem to sort of you know, get more free, and that's when opportunities happen. But they've just got to take those opportunities. They had a had a number of decent chances. Um, to you know, to perhaps get the equaliser, but uh, but yeah, they just just could not could not get there. I think that's at the tail tape at the end of the day is that yeah, you got to be brave and take those chances if you're going to beat Nailey Club. I think and I think that that's I think it's a general statement rather than just this game. But uh, again, it's very hard to fault Melbourne Knights' performance on this other than uh, that one unfortunate goal that was conceded. I think you're right. They in the first half they tried to play through. We know the way that Ben Calm likes his teams to play, like to play football on the floor, possession, building up the game, and that's the way he likes his sides to play. And they tried to do that once again in, in the game. I think it's the credit to the Raw that they were able to really nullify that in the first half because it was you're right, they were completely penned back into their own half for the most part, although other than Ivan Franich getting down that right-hand side, while it wasn't great to see Ivan Franich yeah. at the ripe old age of 36, <laughs> continuing to bomb on down the right flank like we've seen so many times here for the Brisbane Raw, but... They weren't really able to create much once they got up away from the halfway line in the second half when they were able to get there. The chances that they've produced in games against Lions and some of the, and Heidelberg and some of the other games they've played in this cup run and, and in their league season, they just weren't able to create those openings, which is probably one of the real positives that Ross Ellis will take out of this game. It's already looked a little bit unhappy on the sideline from time to time. I mean, there were plenty of references to that during the commentary, but one of the things that I'm sure really did, would have pleased him was the clean sheet you mentioned earlier for Macklin Freak, the first one of the Ross Aloisi era. Being a being a coach, it's always something you look to. So to go to Melbourne and get a clean sheet is a really good really good thing for the Raw. Yeah, I think with, with Ross Aloisi, I think there's going to be moments where he is going to look very unhappy. I think that's his high standards. So I think that's... Uh, yeah, I know they were trying to make the case that especially at the end of the first half that, that he was quite disappointed yeah, I think it's just I think it's disappointing because he knows that the Raw can play even better than what they did last night. But I still think they did a good job. So I don't think you know, judging his reaction is a way to sort of say, oh, to gauge performance. I think you actually got to watch the game yourself and actually you know make that judgment. But with that said, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think he would be he'd be pleased with that performance. You know, at the end of the day, uh, he I think he's the sort of coach that would say, look, you still won nothing. You still got you've got one more game to go in this competition to you know to win something 
and then celebrate for a week and then we go again in the league. So I, I think this is all just part of I think I actually think they're, they're playing with house money at the moment. I think the Raw as far as this Australia Cup run because uh, I, th- I don't think that, that they would have certainly planned to say, oh, it was, it was all nothing on this cup run. I think this is just something that's developed, uh, the way the draws turned out, the way that the, the side have played. That, that's on the players. They're the ones that have won it. So I, I certainly think that they go into the cup final in a couple of weeks' time really with not much to lose, or at least you know, the pressure. They shouldn't put too much pressure on themselves. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, one of, it's one of those situations where, as I said, this is all bonus. It's great preparation for the season. All the place. It's a big game right ahead of the Alex. It's a great opportunity for them. Now, two quick things we've got to talk about before we do move on to looking mm. ahead to the final. Um, debut for Jonas Markovsky, player number 211 for Bruce Nor. Only 20-odd minutes, so not a lot really you can gather from that. But he certainly put himself about and had a one decent opportunity as well, didn't he? He did. Uh, he, he looks a very, very good player, Jonas Markovsky. I, I think... I think at the moment uh, he would be probably uh, in the pecking order, you know, behind Thomas Waddingham. But that's probably more about uh, getting himself familiarised. But hey, look, he, you don't win the Golden Boot in um, in in the Victorian, you know, MPL and and not and not be you know a decent player. So I, I think he can certainly contribute uh, as well, especially as the season sort of goes on. I think it's going to take a bit of time to adjust to life as a pro footballer. But I think that, you know, if anyone has, at least in their blood, it's uh, Joseph Markovsky. Absolutely. No bad player scores that many goals in any league, let alone a league as competitive mm. as the MPL Victoria. The other the other thing you want to talk about, Adam, was the uh, challenge late on in the game from Joe France. It was a very much, I thought it was an agricultural challenge, to put it put it nicely. It was a yellow card. I think you thought it could have been something a bit stronger. Yeah, I don't. I, this is one of the things I don't like seeing in these these games where, where you know, basically he went straight through the back of Tom Aldred, and we know how you know much valuable player Tom Aldred is to the side, and you don't, you just don't like seeing it. And I think sometimes they're the they're the sort of tackles that these A League professional players you know fear. Um, from from you know these these part time players and then look this no this is not to have a personal shot at at Joe Franich he would he would obviously be exposed to life of you know professional play through his brother but uh, yeah there's sort of challenges that you just do not like like seeing and I thought maybe he he, he probably should have you know, caught more than just a yard because I think yeah it was it was not good and that had the potential to you know to injure almost so. Yeah, I just I didn't like. I think I think a lot of, a lot of people sort of thought that was a like he might have been lucky to stay on the pitch for that, albeit in the 87th minute. Yeah, I think you're probably right. A yellow card was possibly lenient, but either way, not the sort of change you want to see from anyone in these sort of games. Only game in, in particular, really it wasn't wasn't the not wasn't the um, best moment of Joe French's career, no doubt. But that, now one last thing on this game: five thousand people there at night team, tremendous occasion. Looked phenomenal, didn't it? Big, big batch of fans on the broadcast are making plenty of noise as well. Yes, that's. I think that's the other big achievement for the night. Congratulations to uh, the the uh, community down there, the uh, Melbourne Knights, and also as well the greater Melbourne Croatian community. I, I thought what I thought was absolutely fascinating was the solidarity across the the clubs down there, where there was almost a call to arms. And I thought that made the occasion even better. That you know, that it was that that felt like that really hostile sort of you know environment. Not hostile as far as you know, you know what we 
would define as hostile, but it was a really, really passionate you know, crowd. Five five thousand at that ground, it made it look look very, very you know full. And I don't think it did justice being with the camp being on the broadcast side because some of the pictures going the other way. Absolutely phenomenal. So, look, congratulations to, to all of them down there, the the Melbourne Croatian community and Melbourne Knights. Look, they're they're a club that you know I I have a bit of a soft spot for, admittedly. That you know I, I you know like outside you know, the Brisbane clubs and all that. That you know when I think NSL, I think Mark Paduka, I think, and I think Melbourne Knights. And uh, yeah, it's great to see one of the one of the iconic clubs in um, in Australian football. Uh, you know, back back up ranks. I know that they've done it tough. This, performance-wise for the last decade or so. They have done it tough, and it was great to see that stadium so full and the scenes back there at Sunland Super were absolutely amazing. Congratulations to Parve, Ben Khan, and the entire team down there at Melbourne. It's not able to get over the line on this occasion, but it is the Brisbane Raw through to a first-ever Australia Cup final. We'll now look ahead to that final, which will be played on the weekend of October 7th of 8th against Sydney FC. The final venue will be announced tomorrow or Tuesday, Depending on, depending on when you are listening to this, by Football Australia, the decision will be made based on suitability and availability of stadiums. So that's the that's what will go into the decision. I think a lot of people have kind of got the conspiracy theories out or anything. Of course, Sydney are in the final. It's going to be in Sydney. We're going to ignore that, Adam. Let's 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 play the game. We want this final up in here to be the first final for the Raw, first final in. Actually, let's talk about first of all. Actually, we'll go through this. Who should host the final? Sydney have been in, I think, three. This is their third final. They've hosted one, travelled to Melbourne in one. It's Raw's first ever final. Objectively speaking, which city should host the final? If you can be objective about it. Even objectively speaking, and and this is the reason why, and I know we may have a few Sydney Sydney supporters that you know, that listen to the show, which, you know, welcome. Um, I, I bid, we bid you no, um, no hostility. But, uh, but I personally think that Football Australia should... Should give the final to you know, Brisbane because I think that it is a case to uh, continue the momentum that we've seen in this city. Uh, the Raw all of a sudden, you know, look like that they're they're long past you know being a basket case. State like since Casper Tafta and Zach Anderson have taken over the um, the mantle of the club. Things have just been uh, seem to be a lot better. There's a lot more goodwill from the fans. It just thinks that the, the club seems to be going in the right direction. And without Football Australia giving them an obvious handout and saying, "Oh, we, we're going to reward you for that for, for for that good work," I also think that the momentum of having that here in in Brisbane might at least solidify the you know that that momentum that, that they've generated for the club. Also, as well, I think that the scenes that we saw at at the world, at the world women's World Cup, you know, five straight sellouts as well. There, there is a market for football, and I think if you get like Sydney's always going to be Sydney. Sydney's always going to get games. Uh, whether whether it's because it is the most popular city in the country, whether that's because where that's where the, where the governing body resides, uh, whether they've got a deal with with the New South Wales government, whatever, they're always going to get games, and they're always going to be Brisbane. It feels like that. Brisbane as a location probably needs it more at the moment than Sydney does. I tend to agree with all those reasons. Sydney do get a lot of big events. They have hosted the Australia Cup final multiple, multiple times, including just 12 months ago when MacArthur beat Sydney United. I think that was actually technically a Sydney United home think, game yeah. there uh, in Parramatta. So they've hosted it plenty of times. I'll, I'll give you another couple of reasons as well. You mentioned that in the Women's World Cup, five straight sellouts. Well, also, when the Raw have played finals up here, basically three 
straight slots as well. And also, you put Brisbane versus Sydney up here. That's always, historically, always been the Raw's biggest drawing game. doesn't matter what's happening during the season. If the, the, the casual football fan or even just the casual sports fan, if they're going to go to one game during the, the Raw season, it is Brisbane Raw versus Sydney FC. So I imagine that would be that it would be that way once again. I'm not saying you'd feel Suncorp for it for an Australia Cup final, Adam, but I do think you would get a really good crowd if it was to be at Suncorp Stadium. Given that they had the biggest crowd of the season last year for for the Sydney game on Anzac Anzac Day Eve, uh, and that was a side that was struggling. That yes, they they were, they were fighting for their you know I guess finals lives at the time, which got snuffed out by Sydney. But that was that was a side that you know there's still a lot of cynicism about the way the club the club were going, the direction that the the competitive of the club. This is a final, so automatically we we know that we know that uh, you know Brisbane supporters are bandwagon bandwagon jumpers, and that's not don't don't take that as an insult. That's just that's just fact. It's across so, all sports as well. Exactly. You know, like I said, we've just had we've just had sellouts at at the Gabba and Suncorp Stadium this this week. And I'm not suggesting that the Raw are going to sell fifty thousand um, for for an Australia Cup game. That's very a bit too beyond at the moment. I think it's beyond for everyone. But certainly, if they can get twenty thousand at Suncorp in that lower bowl with, you know, the members sort of scattered up in the level five section. I still think it's going to be a, a great atmosphere because we know, we know for a fact, and uh, and like I said, you and I, Scott, we're at a, um, a Cowboys and Dolphins NRL game, which is about 25,000, and that, that that atmosphere was electric. So I think if that if you can replicate that, I think that's that's what, that what you know, they, they can potentially be. Absolutely, and that was two-thirds of the bottom tier was full, and there were a couple up on the middle tier, and even one or two, on the top tier on the side as well. So it was a it was a good occasion that night. Also we saw just recently five thousand people at at that ground in an NPL mm. grand final situation. That although you expect a lot more than that at an Australia Cup final, but even that made a pretty good atmosphere. So I think if you can get a good crowd at Suncorp, it does create a tremendous atmosphere. Now one potential problem with that is I did notice the grounds when Matt Oliver on social media this afternoon was putting out news that they are upgrading the irrigation systems at Suncorp in the next month or so, as well as doing some field maintenance ahead of the A-League season coming up in four to five weeks. So, firstly, great to see that they're doing this now and getting the field in great condition for the A-League. We've seen in the past it hasn't always been the best for football. It seems like they're making a real concerted effort to make it as good as possible for the A-League season. So that's a big tick. But if that is ha- if that is happening and it does put Suncorp out of action, where where were the where are the alternative venues you could potentially play? And this Australia Cup final here in Brisbane. We're not talking about in Sydney. In here in Brisbane, you've got you've got the Gabba. We just you just mentioned the Gabba. You could go there. You've got Gold Coast. You've got dare I say Cusack Dolphins. Or do you just absolutely fill Park de Perry and put five thousand people in there and make it a great occasion? There have been some big cup games there in the past. There's some options there, Adam. What do you reckon could be if it can't be at Suncorp and it's going to be in Brisbane or South East Queensland? What's the best option in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll play a game of elimination. I think of those, of those, because they all may, all have uh, different sort of things. I, can we cross Gold Coast off the straight away? Because I feel bad even including it, because I can imagine the Raw fans are throwing things at their at, at me right now just for dare <laughs> suggesting it. Uh, yeah, look, the, the capacity of Rubina is actually probably what you want, but no, 
No, that's, that's certainly not what we want. Um, look, I, I think, and I did see calls for, on, on social media, um, I'll, I won't name names, but a very, very, um, very high profile football personality suggested Perry Park. Um, they should, if they get the choice, I disagree on that. I think that 5,000 plus at Perry Park, I just do not think that that place can, um, can cope. Uh, if, if the if the if the that's no disrespect to Brisbane Strikers and and people that run it there, but I think this is yeah this is five thousand minimum, and I just don't think they've got the capacity at the moment to to deal with a game like like this at, at Perry Park. Um, so that that leaves that leaves Dolphins. Oh geez, that'd be that would be controversial given uh, the Raw's concerted marketing efforts that they're back in Brisbane and uh, technicality suggests that the Raw fan base do not regard Redcliffe as Brisbane, even though I'm the mayor. You are <laughs> and, the and, um, and And, and the, the other one, actually, I didn't think of, but she actually brought up, the Gabba would be intriguing as well. I know fans do not like circular stadiums, I went. I went to a Brisbane Broncos game uh, while while they were locked out of Suncorp because of the Women's World Cup, and I actually thought it was actually wasn't too bad. Yeah, you know, and you can get if you get twenty thousand there, it, it would be a decent atmosphere as well. But again, yeah, circular arena. People, people uh, fans do not like that. Cusack, no, no thanks. I think that's old and outdated, and that's 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 just a training venue these days. So so yeah, look, I I think. I think there's a few sort of options to have. I guess we'll wait and wait and see uh, where, where the discussions lead. But if the Raw are getting the first option, by God, take it. Don't it, we? We do not want this game in Sydney. Yeah, I know that's the one thing I would say to the Raw fans. I know circular stadiums at the Gabba, Dolphins a trip up to up to Redcliffe. Both are far better than travelling down to Sydney at this time of year for a game down there. So we certainly want the game up here. I tend to think that if it is going to uh, look. Suncorp is preference A, B, C, and D for for all of us. We've definitely wanted at Suncorp if, if, if at all possible. But if not, I think either of those other two venues would be perfectly fine as a one-off Australia Cup final venue. And hopefully we get news tomorrow that the game will be here in Brisbane because that's your point. I think the game up here really does need it. I'll give I'll give everyone a spoiler because I've already checked it out that uh, airfares for that weekend are already topping out at you know three hundred dollars plus or if you've got frequent flyer points about about twenty five thousand points so uh, look if you're a Brisbane supporter and you want to see a cup final you uh, you want to hope and pray that you know it, it comes to Brisbane because uh, unless you've got you know the money to do it. I think uh, this final being in Sydney is going to lock a lot of people out. But, yeah, look, we can't ignore the conspiracy theories as much as we want to, that potentially. But I do think that if it is, I will say one thing, that if the unthinkable happens from our point of view, it does happen in Sydney, I think it will actually be at Combank. I don't think it will be at Allianz. Yeah, I think they might have some similar issues to Suncorp in terms of stadium maintenance, which might also be why there's a bit more of a delay in terms of the decision on where this game will be. But also, just finally on this, Brisbane's a better place to be than Sydney anyway. Why wouldn't absolutely. you want to be in Brisbane? Absolutely. Look at the weather. Absolutely. It's absolutely beautiful. So just very quickly, your thoughts on that on this final on the field. Brisbane Raw versus Sydney FC, both sides through to the cup final. Both sides good wins yesterday in Melbourne. It's Sydney beating City away was a really good result from their perspective. It looks like it could be a really good final. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not game to actually make a prediction because I think um, 
where both teams are at at the moment, I think they're actually both teams are playing some good football at the moment. Uh, we're, we're waxing lyrical about the performances of uh, Tommy Waddingham you know, in front of goal for uh, the Raw. Patrick Wood for Sydney FC is doing as an exceptional job for them. So they're also a young side mixed with a lot of experience. So I think on paper, maybe Sydney might be a little bit um, ahead. But certainly I would not give, I, I certainly think, especially history would suggest that, you know, we can, especially in the cup, that we, we can take out uh, Sydney. So, so yeah, so it's, it's going to be a good game. It most certainly will be a very good game. And if it is here in Brisbane, it'll be a great occasion here as well. Now, we'll move on very quickly before we do wrap up this show. We've got a little bit of NPL news to bring you. There was the State v. State games down in Victoria over the weekend. Victoria picking up two wins out of two, unfortunately, in these games. And much to our, our disappointment and chagrin. Firstly, the women's game, a 2-1 win for Victoria over Queensland. Goals from Steph Galea and Danielle Wise. Hakana Tachenko for the Raw, for, for the Raw, for Queensland in that game. And they had a dozen great chances in this game to potentially win the game 6-7-8. So it was a really good performance from the Queensland girls until they got to the penalty area where they just unfortunately weren't clinical enough to get the result. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tale, tale of tape. I think, uh, yeah, sadly, no, and look, take if you bias or whatever, but from the game I watched, uh, Queensland should have won that. Uh, I will say about that goal, but uh, that it, that we we think that Hakana can catch can catch Tenko. I mean, I'm going to get that right one day. <laughs> so uh, got the last touch, but also as well, there might be a thought that maybe it was Olympico from from Tegan Riding and took the corner. So be, be as it may, that was one goal and it wasn't enough. But yeah, I think disappointing as far as um, the scoreline goes. But for a side that was cobbled together, you know, for you know for one training session, I thought that they played they played pretty well. Just just didn't just didn't sort of uh, execute well on the day. So just quickly, a bit harsh, back-to-back defeats there on Rob Askew, or does this game not count? Does count. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll move on now to the men's game. One-all draw in normal time between Victoria and Queensland. Yusuf Farmer, who just came off the bench, got the goal for Victoria. Andy Pengeli on the score sheet for Queensland. Left it as a draw after 90 minutes with a trophy on light. meant the game went to penalties. And much like in 2020 against New South Wales, where the, where the, where the Blues picked up a win, on penalties, so too did Victoria. 6-5 on penalties, close, but just unfortunately not able to get over the line. And again, Queensland had some great chances in this game, didn't they? They could have won it in the 90 minutes, but if you leave it to the lottery of the shootout, sometimes these things can happen. This is also a good performance considering for uh, for Queensland. Oh, the Victorian team as well. They're, 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 very, very, they're a very solid outfit. And I thought that actually this was a, a high-quality game, I think, uh, and uh, yeah, Yusuf Ahmed's goal was an absolute cracker. And uh, at the on the other side of the coin, uh, the ever reliable Andy Pengelly, you know, getting, you know, taking his chance. And uh, he's 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 our, he's he's MPL Queensland's leading goal scorer for a reason. And it's uh, those, those moments that you know he's pretty much you know marked out the game for a lot of it, but it popped up on the hour mark to uh, to slot home to equalise. So, but uh, yeah, look, the penalty shootout, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought uh, Cyan Kibber's uh, <laughs> shot my uh, penalty at, uh, on, on the fifth uh, one. I thought, you know, that was going to be punished to luck for that uh, poor old Louis Greenwood. <laughs> Jeez, I think he'll have that. He'll have that one back too. But look, you know, penalties are penalties. It's a different beast. And uh, yeah, at 90 minutes, Queensland are undefeated. That's uh, two penalty shootout losses. 
I think that's what we need to claim. Over 19 minutes, Queensland are undefeated. By the way, set up perfectly. The Queensland boys sign Cuba misses for Victoria. The Victor- the rare Victorian expat moving up north to take the penalty. It just completely, the script was written for it. And unfortunately, didn't quite pan out on this occasion. As you said, penalties, they are what they are. Two other bits of quick news before we do wrap up this show, Adam. Congratulations to Pine Hills. They are they secured their promotion to the FQPL two men's with a playoff win over Southport over the weekend and in the FQPL Champions League. Across the ways, we'll play Service Paris Apollo in the men's Champions League final. In the women's, will be MA Olympic against Brisbane City. Those games played on the weekend of October 7th. Venues to be confirmed. So a couple of last gasp games to end the MPL season coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and they'll be good occasions as well. But we are out of time here on the Brisbane Football Review. Adam, thanks for joining me on the show once again. Yeah, thank you and good night. We will see what where James was in the world when he comes back from Boston, Paris, London, wherever he was. But in the meantime, we'll be if back. If they after, back in, yeah, we might learn back. We'll have to wait and see on that one. We'll be back after the Australia Cup final with our A League season preview. We'll talk to you all again then.